Is there a doctor here? Is there a doctor here? I've spent all my money Just looking for one Got Die podcast. This is Josh and it's Calvin. Um, we're coming live, not live. We're coming in person though, um, <laughs> from Take Hold Fest in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So disregard all the background noise if you hear drums being beat and and screams and things. This time around, we have Justin Rose. Justin Rose is a Chicago lad and a Chicagoan. Yeah, Chicagoan. Chicagoan. Coming off the recent Cubs victory. Yep. Real Christians are Cubs fans. Do you know that? Long suffering. Let's <laughs> go. <gold>. I mean, <laughs> it's a bad, bad joke. Yeah. Bad that's joke. That's all right, though. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, Justin is from Chicago, a Cubs fan, as he should be. And he's in the band Families. Families is three piece band. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for families, families in general, like the family unit and the band. You're pro families. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm pro relatives living together. Very much so. Yeah, great. Uh, but your music is pretty different from most of what I hear. Uh, I mean, like very narrative based and whatnot. If you want to just like share a little bit about what you guys write about and kind of like what your approach is. Sure. Um, so yeah, we're we're a folk band from Chicago and. Um, We've been writing songs since 2008. Uh, we've been together, but we've been in this this configuration and living in the same city for like four and a half years. Uh, and most of what we write about, um, well, we write about two things. We write about Bible stories and we write about America. So we're recording an album right now that's all about America. Um, but every other album we've done and probably all the albums we'll do in the future are all biblical narratives. Um, and so what we do is we take a story from the Bible and just kind of try to find ourselves in it and try to find, you know, where do we fit in the story? Like, where are we at in the story? Ask questions to the text and be like, all right, like, okay, what is interesting about this? What is confusing about this? What doesn't make sense? What, like, is shocking? Um, and then kind of try to explore those topics in the story um, and try to, you know, use our 
try to use our holy imagination to kind of fill in the gaps, you know, because biblical narratives, you know, each one of these stories could be like they're an entire book, you know, like the life of Noah could be volumes and volumes, you know, uh, but we only have these three chapters, you know, so like try to fill in some of the gaps and just kind of think about what it would be like and what it's like to be him and what it's like to be his kids or his wife or what it's like to be an animal on that ark, you know, those kind of things, just asking questions and um, finding yourself in the story. I mean, stories are amazing, you know, like stories are like the first thing you do when you get home and you like, you know, you see whoever you're living with, right? You say like, oh, how was your day? Tell me what happened, right? And so you, then you tell a story. Or if you have, if you see a friend you haven't seen for a long time, it's like, guess what? Guess what just happened? This just happened. You tell a story, you know, like we're storytellers and um, that's how we teach our kids. That's how we learn in school. Um, that's how we get ideas across, movies and whatever. It's all story. And, but we just like this idea of, uh, pursuing, pursuing these stories uh, from the Bible, these narratives, and telling them in a way that kind of get to deeper truths and try to find ourselves in the story. Because a lot of people will read the Bible and say like, "Oh, this thing's boring." And it's like, "Well, what are you reading, dude? <laughs> like, right. have you like are you reading the same thing I'm reading? Is this thing's insane? It's so engaging. It's engaged. Yeah, it's like it's meant to be." It's like sexy and it's like dirty and gory and like relationships are nuts. It's a drama. Yeah, it's it's a mess and but it's real. Like that's life, you know. Like, and I like that about God. That God, you know, like God could have really had like a really polished word. And I find that really funny sometimes when people are like kind of sola scriptura and they're like only the Bible. And it's like, wow, that's insane that like, these are the words that we're choosing to follow. Like these words, cause they're crazy, mm-hmm. you know? And like the stories are crazy and it's just cool um, because you can find yourself right in the midst of that story. Like you could say like, oh, I'm feeling just like Hagar, you know? Or like, oh man, that thing that happened to Abraham, like, oh, that's similar to what happened in my life. Or like ask yourself these difficult questions um, about these characters or, or whatever and find yourself in the story dude yeah i feel like too it it helps you feel like you're not alone so much because like the bible has a way of like speaking into like every life situation that could have possibly happened or anyone could have possibly lived through there's one character in the bible that specifically lived that reality and god's brought them through it or in some cases god may have like you know killed that person <laughs> but like maybe because they were evil for some odd reason but like every like bible story correlates to a specific like season of life or a specific life event that may have happened and like the lord speaks into those things through it whether old testament or new like yeah. and that i find that to be very cool because like it makes people feel like they're not so alone like when they read the bible like oh these guys went through it too like maybe nothing is new under the sun like yeah Maybe the Lord could bring me through if he brought this person through. like And all these stories of guys effing up royally and God still using them. Yeah. And yeah. God still being good regardless, you know. It's just so honest and just so, like, real, the way, like, people are dealing with stuff and the way the Bible talks about, the way the Bible talks about infidelity or the way, the, way the Bible talks about, uh, I don't know, re- religion, the way it talks about, uh, relationships or family or all these things, the way it talks about it is just so like, it's just real, you know, like it's, it, it's like everyday life, um, even for us now, you know, and I just, we just find that so interesting. And, um, you know, we, we love the Bible and we, we believe the Bible is real and we believe that God speaks through the Bible. He speaks through his word. Um, but we believe that there's a real power in story you know, like a lot of times these days, I, I feel like a lot of people um, who preach will not preach through narrative, but kind of preach through the gospels or through the, uh, which is narrative, I guess, but through the gospels or through the epistles or uh, something like that, or maybe through the Psalms or those kind of things. But um, with a story, like it kind of preaches itself, you know, like if you just kind of say like, hey, here's, you know, here's Abigail and here's her story and here's what happened. And here's why it's awesome. Here's what's weird about it. Here's what's confusing. Here's where God showed up. And it preaches itself. Like, you know, it's it's just amazing. Um, and the last thing I guess I'll, I'll kind of say as, I, as I'm thinking about that is 
um, we always talk about the power of testimony, right? And we have hundreds of testimonies in the Bible about these people who are transformed. And so why aren't we talking about it? Why aren't we singing about it? You know, I've heard, I've heard a, a trillion love songs, you know, and like each one's different. And like, that's why we gotta keep writing love songs because like, I'm not anti-love song. Keep writing love songs because they're all different. Love is different. It's change, changes. Uh, there's new aspects to learn about love and learn about relationships. Um, but, you know, so like, we gotta be writing songs about these Bible characters and singing about them and talking about them. And um, there's so many awesome ones that kind of fall through the cracks. And so we try to just put our finger on them and say, hey, check, check her out. She's pretty sweet. I think the the key thing that you said there was putting ourselves or yourselves into those biblical stories, uh, because I, I hear some sometimes with music that are narrative based, songs that are narrative based. Um, I feel as though the person's like maybe even avoiding the personal aspect um, with just like telling a story, um, or sometimes it's still very powerful. But I don't feel like oh I got to know that songwriter or like I got to peer into their heart. I, I just come away with, oh, they're a good storyteller. Um, but I think that's kind of like the key thing is putting yourself in there. So it's kind of like that marriage of the two, like wanting to tell the story, but also coming from a personal place. Um, and I was just kind of wondering for you, was it was it like an intentional choice to go the direction of biblical narrative, or was that kind of just always your natural writing style? it definitely wasn't always my natural writing style. Like I was in like hardcore bands and screamo bands and like grind bands, you know, like I was a drummer uh, for grind bands for a long time and spaz and stuff. Um, But then when I, my senior year of college, I started writing some songs and they just happened to come out. Majority of them were just biblical narratives. Um, And I I don't really, I can't really tell you why. Um, But as I started to write, write them, I just found them more interesting and found them more compelling, I guess. Like, you know, like what makes a movie a good movie is like um, when you really dive deep into the character, you know, like like Batman versus Superman sucked, right? That movie was awful. But Batman is a really, could be a really compelling character. Like here is a dude who's entire, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Batman. But <laughs> like Batman's a really compelling character because everything he does is based on this traumatic event that happened when he was a kid and he's trying to make it right. You know, like he's trying to make sense of his parents' death. And so his whole life is based on this traumatic event that happened when he was a kid. That's so compelling. Like if you just tell that story, that's really compelling. And I think a lot of the ways that I've heard the Bible talked about and a lot of the ways I've heard characters in the Bible talked about and narratives talked about, they weren't compelling. Like a lot of times when people talk about King David, they just say, oh, he was, you know, he was a man after God's own heart, so be like him. It's like, that's not compelling. Yeah. Like in the Bible, the dude seems like a, let me choose a good word, like a, like a jerk, right? <laughs> I was going to say something really bad. Dude seems like such a jerk, right, in the Bible. Like, you're like, that dude? Like God is choosing that guy? And I mean, there's a lot to say about that and about the kind of God he is. Mm-hmm. But like... There's a lot of really compelling things about David if you really dive in deep. Like, here's this short, runty dude who, like, God chose. And here's a dude who is, like, sneaky. And here's a dude who, like, repented hard, you know? And here's a dude who worshipped hard, you know? And, like, here's a dude who, like, when he sinned and his son died, he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed as hard as he could, you know? And, like, there's a lot of really compelling stuff in there. If you just put your finger on the right thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, I, 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 I'm not really sure why we started writing those songs. They just started coming out naturally. And, um, you know, I was, a, I was a, in school studying Bible, and it's, I've always loved the Bible, and it's just kind of been a part of who I am to kind of – I'll always talk about the Bible and talk about narratives. Um, I, I see that being like a super, like, fruitful thing. Like, to be able to take such a powerful narrative of the story and be like, well, like, in King David's case, like, this was a man after God's own heart. Like, you know, this is what it it looks like to, like, you know, follow Jesus, I guess. And you see, like you said, the highs and the lows of his life. But through all of it, through his highs and lows, you've seen the consistency of Christ through all of it. 
and how like the worst of the worst that happened like mm. when he found out that his one son like raped his daughter and then they were going to war and then someone wanted to kill him like this was a dude who went through it yeah he went heavy. through the ringer yeah but you've seen the steadfastness of god in him through his life and like that's something to look to like we were talking about earlier off the record like how we're taught to believe that circumstances like determine god's love for us and you look at these stories in the bible and you see that that can't possibly be true there has to be a deeper truth behind that yeah when we're going through things like uh, us in the band like issues that we're going on in our own lives um we've really been able to find biblical characters that are similar and kind of find ourselves in in their shoes and write songs so like for example we have a song called simon of cyrene and um i love the character of simon of cyrene i mean he has like three verses and that's it but like amazing amazing right and so um i was going through a time in my life where i just felt so lonely i just felt so low i felt unappreciated unloved and i was just you know getting depressed and um god gave me this song started singing the song and the lyrics are simple it's uh, it's like you know the here's the words it's i always loved you simon of cyrene you carried the cross but said nothing uh, they picked you from the crowd. You probably stuck out, but you uh, bit your tongue and said nothing. Sometimes I feel like nobody's there. Why do I suffer all alone? Uh, but then you draw near and show me you care and carry my burdens with me. And so in that story, it's kind of thinking about like, oh man, here's Jesus. Like here's the gospel, like Jesus carrying the cross. But then here's also this dude who doesn't say a single word, Right. Like, like a black dude too, right? Like doesn't say a single word. And the Bible empowers and honors this man by giving us his name. He just bites his tongue and does what he needs to do. You know, and like in the same way, God, when, when I'm going through difficulties, God brings people into my life to help me carry those burdens and help me out. So I, I kind of have those Simons in my life too, you know? And so like, that's where that song came out of because it's like, you know, like this is real. Like this is an amazing story, amazing story, amazing narrative from the Bible, an amazing character from the Bible that we don't talk about enough. Um, and yet we can find ourselves right in the midst of that, you know, because we all go through trials, we all go through suffering. Um, and yet if we are open and look, we see that God actually sends people to us to, to, uh, to help carry those things, you know, and, um, not necessary to take those things away, you know, because Jesus still died, right? But like mm-hmm. to lighten our burdens and that's what Christ does in us. And so, I mean, that song means a lot to me and it's like a one minute song, you know, it's a short little song, but it means a lot to me. And that's what it came out of is like me going through this personal thing. Um, so finding myself in this character, um, you know, and for anything we're going through in life, there's a character in the Bible that we can really connect with. I, I believe it, you know, because these people are just so real. They're mm-hmm. so honest. And so uh, the Bible doesn't try to sugarcoat anything or hide anything. It just says like, here it is. And some of it's messed up, but that's it. Yes. A lot of it doesn't resolve, but well, like, yeah, if anything. Yeah. Like, Tons. Uh, yeah. It like, yeah. I can't imagine like if an editor was reading it, they'd be like, all right, finish this. What happened to this character? Underlining this, take this part out. Does King Solomon ever repent? Right. Like what's going on? <laughs> it's like where's a lot of open air here. Like what's happening? That's like one thing that helped me trust the Bible's integrity even is the fact that it doesn't try to make like, it doesn't try to make much of its heroes, I guess. And I'm doing like the hand quote thing, but like <laughs> the people that... <laughs> that God has used and I've used powerfully. It doesn't try to make them look like they're just like these awesome supreme beings. Like they were normal everyday people that God had favor on and just walked through life with, not like us. And with, with your own personal story, um, is there, I don't know, a biblical character narrative that you kind of always come back to? I know you mentioned Simon of Cyrene, but is there something that even just like with the past of your story, I, I connect a lot with Hagar. Um, I come from like a broken a broken home, you know, like we say broken home, but like most people come from these quote unquote broken homes these days, you know, like I come from a single parent household um, and my my father uh, uh, and, and mother split when I was very young. Um, and so um, that's always something I've had to carry is some of that hurt from that and being the only 
uh, male in my house with two sisters and my mom and just uh, feeling a lot of burden with that and feeling um, just confusion about what it means, uh, you know, to be in a, in a, like, is God still good if you're in this broken home? Is God still good if like, what does it mean for God to be a father? You know, like what, what does that even mean? Like what I know about dads is that they leave, you know, like, why do I need a new dad? Like, why is God my dad? Why can't he be my mom? You know, <laughs> not saying God's not my mom because God is my mom, but like also father. Uh, so kind of dealing with a lot of that. Um, uh, and so I've, I connected a little bit with, with Hagar, this idea of like this, this slave girl who's just sent, you know, who just like runs away, you know, she just like leaves because like she's treated so poorly and here she is kind of all on her own. Um, and yet an angel really speaks to her and says, you know what, like, um, you're important and you're worth it and your kid's going to mean something and you mean something and go back, you know, like you're worth it. You're worth something. And I feel like in my life, God's always kind of spoken over me, like you're worth it. Like you're, you're going to do something with your life. Like you're important. You're worth it. You're worth it. Um, Hagar gives God a name, says you're the God that sees me, you know? And like, man, I just know that God just, he just loves me and he sees me and like, I'm messed up and I, I do a lot of stuff I shouldn't and I've done a lot of stuff I shouldn't and I uh, say a lot of stuff I shouldn't. I think a lot of stuff I shouldn't. And um, But just the fact that God sees me and knows me and loves me and um, wants me regardless. Uh, so I connect a lot with Hagar. Um, I think she's she's an amazing character. And I, I, I think, um, you know, our Muslim brothers and sisters think a lot about Hagar, but Christians don't. And I think we should probably give her some more credit. Is there any part of you that like notices the stories that maybe in American Christianity we gravitate towards as opposed to the ones that we maybe disregard? I don't know if I've necessarily thought about it in that way. We uh, we did play a show once where there was there was a, a Islamic man in the crowd and he came up to us afterwards. We have um we have a song called uh Hagar which is about Ishmael and then we also have a song called J- uh, about Jacob. It's called Jacob's Ladder, and it's that idea um, uh, about that narrative of Jacob's Ladder. And afterward, uh, we only played Jacob's Ladder at that show. And uh, he came up to me afterwards, and he he was talking about, you know what, like, I feel like you just really left me out. I feel like you left me out of this story. Like, I believe in this story. This is a part of my scriptures, too, and I just feel like you weren't being inclusive. You 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 did not let me be a part of your story, even though this is my scripture too. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, wow, thank you. Like, I felt like that was a, like, I felt like that was from God. Like, I felt like God was speaking to me like, yeah, like, you know, there are other religions that even hold on to this truth, you know, like, are you being, are you, are you speaking truth? And so now when we play Jacob, we often try to play the Hagar song to couple with it. Or so what we said to him is, you know what, like we hear you and you're not wrong. Here's a CD. Listen to this song. This song's for you, you know. Um, but I, I think maybe maybe it'd be better if I did think about think that way um, a little bit more. Think that way. Um, but I don't I you know, I'm so close minded, I guess I don't even know what that looks like. You know, like I don't know how to think uh to be more inclusive to other religions with, with biblical narrative songs. And, and I would like to say that, like, I mean, I would like to believe that these biblical narratives are compelling enough and true enough and universal enough that regardless of religion, you can find some connection with it. Um, like for example, we play a show once and a Mormon came up to me afterwards and, um, we have a song, uh, about Daniel and his friends, um, you know, how they only eat vegetables and drink water, and yet they, they stayed strong. Um, and we, it, the, the first line of that song is, I was afraid of going out east where everyone's bigger than me, right? Um, and afterwards, this guy came up to me, and he was like, you know what, that, he was like, that really spoke to me, that line. Because I moved here from Salt Lake City, and I was really, uh, you know, I was really scared when I moved over here. I was really afraid to move to Chicago to pursue my dream, but I did it and it's been great. And it's like, man, like if, if this, if this Mormon guy can, can find some connection and there's been many, many, many times where non-Christian people have said that they find some meaning in our music and then Christians and even Muslims. And so I, I'd like to think that the truth of the gospel 
is universal enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying God is universal or salvation is universal. I'm not saying that. Right. What I'm saying is like truth, like the truth that we're speaking is universal enough that it can speak to all people. And I think that's what the Bible does. Like the Bible is true mm-hmm. and truth is truth, you know, like regardless of where it comes, like it's true. Um, and I think people, we got to give people a bit more credit. Like they know what to do with truth. Like they know when things are true and when they're not, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's an answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, that's solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about how, I th- I mean, I, I feel like in the church, like we usually hear a lot of the same stories. I haven't heard much focus on Simon of Cyrene in true. any context, you know? Very and that's true. kind of what sparked that thought. Um, we made this very crappy, terrible movie back in the day um, called Loose Interpretation. So it was like... What do you mean crappy? Oh, it's terrible. Um, but it was meant... <laughs> It was meant to be terrible. Um, but so the, the thought, though, uh, I, when I was doing youth ministry back when I was in college, uh, the, the youth pastor, he asked me at one point to make a video just on, like, the life of David. Um, so we made it, and we had a blast, and it, it was hilarious, um, and it was a lot of fun. So a couple of friends, like, asked, like, you know, you should make a full-length movie. So we did over the course of many years. It's only been seen by maybe a few dozen people. Wait, it's a um, full-length movie? Yeah. It's, it's like an like like hour and a half? Yeah. It's like um, half the Old Testament. <laughs> you have to get him a copy. Yeah. Please, um, please. So please. it is very disjointed. It is just an utter mess. Um, but like the focus of it, though, was essentially grabbing Old Testament stories that are not all that well-known. Sure. Um, and we didn't... We didn't bring things to any type of resolve really with with any of the stories um but it it was just kind of like oh yeah these little tidbits of stories like are in the old testament narrative um and they were things that struck me when i was reading through Mm. the old testament just kind of like without as much as i could without a bias where it's just like all right god like just speak to me whatever i need to hear you know um i don't want to just reinforce what i already believe i don't want to reinforce my understanding of these narratives, but just, I don't know, like open my eyes to whatever the heck you want me to yeah. see. Um, it was, it was through that, that God sp- spoke through a lot of like, yeah, of the lesser known stories that I never heard in the church, never heard yeah. in Sunday school because for one, they're not very palatable. Um, and a lot of them just don't resolve or like you were saying, quote unquote heroes, the quote unquote heroes, don't end up turning out to, yeah, to like, do why the, the heck? right thing, you know? So, like, a lot of the time the focus is on this man of God did this great thing instead of this man of God completely went the wrong way, missed out on what God had for him, but God still, you know, like, did what God was going to do through this other guy or God, you know, like, still had favor on his people or God still disciplined his people, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, why the heck do we teach Samson to children in Sunday school? You know, like, the whole point of the judges is that they get progressively worse. Yeah. Like, like the first one, right? Like, Othniel is great, no problems. Then Shamgar, whoever's the second one, one, like, little problem, bigger problem, bigger problem, bigger, 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 bigger until you get to Samson who does everything wrong. The dude sucks. Like, that's the whole point. Like, the whole point is that this system wasn't working and that people were getting further and further from God. Like that's the whole point. And yet we teach Samson like he's this amazing character. And it's like, no, that's, you're completely missing the point of the narrative. Yeah. And um, I think, I think the church does that time and time and time again, you know, um, we're not teaching. I, I feel like we're not teaching the right narratives. We're teaching safe narratives, but we're not teaching them in the right way. Yeah. You teach kids about Noah, but it's all about, oh, look at these cute animals, and there's a rainbow. Like, oh, isn't God good? But you're like, no, this is all about wrath. Like, this is brutal. Yeah. And this is an attribute of God that's real and true and important. Um, but I feel like maybe we're focusing on the wrong aspects of what these stories are actually about. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people do see Samson as like a hero, but like, you got his eyes gouged out, and he died when he could have lived. I'm going to tell you again, the dude sucked. Samson was the worst. Mm -hmm. And that's the crazy thing is, you know, like God used him to pour pour out his judgment Mm -hmm. on those people. 
but he died outside I'm, of fullness. I'm, I'm darn sure that was, you know, like, I don't know. It wasn't God's desire for it to go about that way. Sure. But it's like mm-hmm. God still fulfilled his purposes. Sure. But Samson, you know, like wasn't a part of that narrative in a way that he, I don't know, accepted the invitation to do it God's way. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, I have that thought a lot where, you know, like I might pour my heart into people and like have an effect. Um, I could go about it my own way where I lead people to Christ. But at the end of the day, I was not close to him and I am separated from sure. him. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, where like God still did what he wanted to do. Right. Um, and maybe there were some uh, devastating consequences as a result of my disobedience, but God still used me, sure. you know, um, as opposed to doing it his way and it looking different, but being, I don't know, a part of his story instead of a guy who did a lot wrong, but God's still good. You know, like right. I, I would rather be a guy who's obedient and God's still good, you know, <laughs> like, right. right. Like in becoming a part of that calling. And like embracing that thing and seeing it through to new life like yeah i feel like that's the father's heartbeat like he doesn't give us something to do that just utterly sucks and steals the life from us what the bible says he gives us the will to do like what he's put on our hearts to do and with life coming from that or i'd just like to get your thoughts on this i tend to read biblical narratives putting myself in there mm-hmm. um maybe to a fault though Sure. To the point where I'm just like, all right, what is this trying to, like, what's the message? What's mm-hmm. the moral? Instead of sometimes just taking a step back and, like, ingesting it to a point where I'm like, all right, like, I just want to see who God is in this. Instead mm-hmm. of just where do I see myself in this? Sure. I think, like, if you're trying to understand the meaning of a biblical narrative or the meaning of a biblical text, you shouldn't necessarily insert yourself in there. You need to, to read the scripture for what it is and what was in, it was intended to say. Um, because it's frustrating when people say, oh, this is what this was saying to me. And so that's, therefore, that is what this scripture means. And it's like, no, those are two different things. Yeah. Like this scripture means something. Like it means something. Um, it was spoken in a specific time to a specific people for a specific reason. And that's true, but it means that. Like that's what it's about. Um so if you're trying to, like, for example, if you're preaching on a scripture or something, you need to be speaking, what is this scripture saying, the truth? Um, but I would say for for times of personal devotion and personal prayer and reflection, um, I insert myself into the scripture all the time um, because it's a way for you to kind of analyze your heart, analyze yourself um, and say, Okay, and it, it, you learn empathy, you learn creativity, you, and I think creativity is an aspect of holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like here we have this amazing God who created everything around us, and it's just incredibly creative, mm-hmm. and he's called his people to be creative, you know, like, um, and, and we're seeing that this this weekend with, with Take Hold Fest is just all these incredibly creative people. Uh, we see that in art, we see that in dance, we see that in nature, all these things. Um but, you know, like, uh, as, as we put ourselves into these stories, um, we can start to analyze and view them from different directions and kind of, and, and glean personal growth, personal growth. Um, once again, I don't know if that's an answer to your question, <laughs> yeah. but um, I'd say for personal devotion, I often put myself into the scripture. Um, or, you know, like, for example, um, my my wife's, grandfather died uh, a couple years ago and um after his death i was reflecting on on death and reflecting on you know my grandparents who've passed and my friends who have passed and um i'm a youth pastor i've had two of my youth group students pass away uh which is really hard um and so as i was reflecting on death i was thinking about enoch Uh, in the Bible. And the Bible tells us uh, not much about Enoch. It just says one day he was gone, essentially. He walked with the Lord and then he was gone, you know? Um, So tradition tells us Enoch never died. He's like Elijah where he just kind of went up into heaven. Um, He, uh, you know, um, so I was thinking about Enoch and then I was thinking about his son who is Methuselah. So this is my personal devotions, right? Not trying to preach on this, but just personally, like, Okay, here's Enoch, who's this uh, 
prophet who walked with the Lord and then just kind of ascended up into heaven, right? Or was assumed, not ascended, because ascended is on your personal power. Assumed is God's power, right? So he was assumed into heaven. So here's Methuselah. Methuselah, we know, is the oldest dude in the Bible, lives 969 years or whatever. But then one day he has to die, right? And so here's a dude who's like, dad didn't die, but he has to die. And his name means his death will bring. So Enoch was a prophet, names his son Methuselah, meaning his death will bring. The year Methuselah dies is the year that the flood happens. So like his death will bring, right? So I write this song reflecting on death. Uh, But the idea of this song is, you know, like, why do I have to die? My dad didn't die, right? There's death in my name. What even is death? You know, like... um, kind of reflecting on death. And so I think that for personal for personal growth, and that was a really fruitful time for me as I was reflecting on death and I was reflecting on, um, you know, my family members who are dying and the fact that everybody has to die. And I mean, I'm not old, I'm 30, but like I'm going to die, you know, and reflecting on that. And um, for personal devotion, I think that's really helpful and you can glean a lot from that. Um, I would challenge anyone to ask questions to the text because the text is strong enough to take questions and is big enough to take questions and uh, God is big enough to handle questions and, um, you know, ask your questions. Because there's a difference between questioning and doubting, you know, like huge difference. Like I I ask questions to God all the time. Like, why did this happen? Why is this there? What, what, where is it? Why do, who is, you know, like all these questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how, or whatever, you know? And I think that's okay. Yeah, for, for me, it's always a balance of, I don't know, like, am I looking for a specific answer that doesn't exist? Oh, you know? sure. Um, yeah, I always want to have questions. I always want to, like, have that mindset of wanting to grow and having the realization that I'm not going to know a whole host of things, um, but not allowing the lack of answers to like discourage the crap out of me. Yes. Um, just recognizing that, like, all right, there are so many things that I will never know. Right. I mean, people for thousands of years have been trying to figure out, like, um, but just trusting that, like, all right, God knows, you know, and I don't know, that's good enough for me. And that's not a cop out answer. It's just like, I don't know, that's the truth. Like, right. Yeah, and not to necessarily open a can of worms. I know we've been talking for a while already, but um, we were talking a little bit earlier that, you know, like I said, I'm a youth pastor, and yesterday in youth group, um, my youth group was talking about the election, which um, when we're talking here, the election happened this week. And um, uh, I am a white male, but nobody in my youth group is white. Um, My youth group is entirely non-white, about 40 uh, kids at my church, um, junior high and high school, and um, all of, of minority background, um, many of them, most of them, immigrant parents or immigrant themselves. Um, and so yesterday in youth group, we just spent a lot of time kind of lamenting and asking questions, um, and some of us crying about uh, the election that just happened and w- what that means Um for them and how they feel. And many of them have a lot of questions. You know, some of their parents are undocumented. You know, like they come, they're coming with a lot of questions. And, you know, so we say we got to direct these questions to God. We got to direct these questions to God. And, um, you know, it's, and, and I think that learning how to be a part of the narrative can teach us how to do that, can teach us how to take questions to God. Um, And I'm trying to teach these young people how to take, you know, like God is big enough for your questions. God is loving enough to handle your questions. He's your heavenly father. Um, You know, God is in control, um, but we're not saying that as a cop-out. You know, like, because, you know, some people on, you know, Facebook is a, a... a, the devil, right? Like the yeah, devil yeah, is yeah. just, I feel it created text, uh, Facebook, right? But all over Facebook this week, you're just seeing people writing like, oh, just get over it. God's in control. Like, yeah, we know God's in control. But like, so did Jesus when he wept for Lazarus, yeah. you know, like God is in control. Absolutely. 
but not everything always is works. Like not everything is what God wants, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't know if this is what God wanted, you know, and you, you know, some people might say, oh, do you question God's will? And it's like, no, like God doesn't want me to sin, but I do it all the time. Yeah, you we know? had a guest on recently that the whole topic was okay. Then God's will doesn't all isn't always the thing that occurs. You know, yeah. like there are plenty of things that He desires for us that we get out of whack. You know, like plenty of things that uh, that are not His desire for the world or for us, but He remains sovereign. He remains good. You know, right? And so, yeah. So, in light of that, just teaching these young people um, and giving them a healthy place to bring their questions to God and saying, you know, like what's up, God? Like, what's going on? I'm scared. I'm confused. I'm worried. Um, and so um, I, I think learning how to find yourself in a narrative can teach you how to do those things. And um, it's, it's really been helpful to me. And as, as, a, as someone who loves the Word of God um, and someone who, uh, you know, my education, I have way, like, you know, I went to school forever and studied uh, the Bible. Um, and a lot of it is just heavy. Like for those of you who've been to seminary or study theology, like a lot of it is just so conceptual that it's like, why are we even studying this? Like, why are we talking about this? Like this has nothing to do with God or the church. Like, you know, you're arguing about where this well was. Like, why does that matter? You know, but like um, when you can really find yourself in the scripture, like you really put in some some feet to this thing, you know, like you're really giving it some flesh. I've only been talking about narrative. I hope that's okay. No, that's totally, totally, totally yeah. cool. Don't feel like you didn't answer the questions. Like, okay. I don't know. I, to, I'm to, just talking to me. I'd rather have a conversation, you know, in response to a question than an answer, Sure. which I mean, I, I feel like that's a lot of the way that I need to view about God in scripture. Um, Cause a lot of us look for answers and we, when we don't find it, um, we get frustrated, but I think often God's answer to our questions is either a question back at us or a very long narrative that can be frustrating. Cause it's like, well, I just wanted like a yes or no, but sometimes he's just like, no, it's not that simple. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that God wants to just dumb things down for us. We're just like, all right, this is how it is. Black and white every, you know, there are there are obviously a lot of things that are black and white, but just that I don't think that's the way that God communicates usually. Sure. It's like, all right, like let's just make it simple for you and like, sure. You know, spell was, it, spell it out. You know. I was thinking about that this week because like, so I went to Kenya for like a year uh, working with the Salvation Army after um, I was done with school. Um, and right before I went to Kenya, I started you know like quote unquote talking to the girl who's now my wife, right? Like, you know, talking. That fan. <laughs> um, talking. Yeah, whatever that means. And, um, you know, so we were talking right before I went to Kenya. We talked the whole time I was in Kenya. And I, I came back in 2010, like in April. But the previous December, so around Christmas time, t- 2009, like I felt the Holy Spirit told me very clearly, even before I was dating uh, Courtney, uh, the Holy Spirit told me, you will marry this girl. You will marry her. And I was like, whoa, what? Beg pardon? Who? Who is that? Like, and he was like, you'll marry her. And I was like, all right, great. Okay, cool. Tight. Um, but then, so, you know, start, we, I got back to the States. We started dating. Now we're married. Been married three and a half years. Guy's good. I know she's the most amazing person in the whole world. She's like super smart. She teaches the Bible for a living. She's a professor. She's genius. Really? Oh yeah, she teaches wow. Old Testament. She's insane. Um, she's wonderful. Uh, but after so, but I I usually don't tell people that God told me that I was gonna supposed to marry her because one time I uh, told a friend of mine he was asking about it. And I was like, you know, I just really felt the Holy Spirit tell me uh, that I was gonna get married to her. And he said, oh, and so a few months later, he said, you know, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me I was supposed to marry this person. And I was like, oh, really? Like, what was that? And so I asked some questions about it and whatever. Uh, and then a couple months later, they broke up <laughs> wow. and they're, they're not together. Um, and he's married now and has a great wife and, you know, God, he's in the right place, uh, I think. Um, but I, it's it's just always scary when we 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 
hear what we want to hear sometimes, and then we just put God's name on it, yeah. you know? Um, and so I try to always be really careful that I'm not doing that. And that's what's hard about being, you know, like a minister or a pastor or someone who's sharing the word of God. You have to make sure that you're differentiating between what are God's words and what are my words, Yeah. Um, you know? And that's like why in the liturgy, it's really important that you have like, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, you know, because like you're differentiating between like, these are like the weighty words and these are like less weighty words, you know? Um, but yeah, when it comes to, you know, that's what I was thinking. Like when it comes to, to, to questioning, um, I don't know, somehow that fit in, in my th- thought process. Mm-hmm. Right Plus on. I just needed to get my wife in there cause she's the best. Yeah. Shout out to wives. And that, that's kind of my, my thought process. Like when we were talking about questions and doubts, like I think that questions are very valuable as long as we're not so dead set on finding an answer that it causes doubt, if that makes sense. Cause like, I, I mean, there are a lot of things that I question, but it oddly, like I don't have the hope or like even the expectation to arrive at an answer. It's more so like I have this question and it's not going to like devastate me if I, if I find the answer that I'm not looking for, or if I don't find an answer, right. it's more so just like, yeah, I don't know about that at all. And that's okay. Yeah. But it's still something that's kind of like weighing on my mind. But I don't know, just kind of like asking God, like, is this question the right question? Sure. Um, and is it something that you want to bring clarity on? You know, because right. sometimes it's just, it, it's not as big as I might have made it out to be at the, at the beginning. True. I feel like I see my life in some ways is like a mat, like my walk with Christ is like a massive jigsaw puzzle. And it's like uh, sometimes you just don't know where the pieces fit or if this is even a part of the puzzle. But so far from what the Father's given me in the pieces, I begin to see the beauty of the masterpiece. So I have more faith with the pieces that he gives. So I'm like, I don't know what this whole thing is going to look like, but so far I'm in love with what I'm seeing. Sure. So like it encourages me to take like the next step, even with like questions and things like that. All right, so Justin, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Uh, if people want to hear your music or keep up with what you guys are doing as families, families of the band, not your personal family, that'd be creepy. Where do they go? Or both. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, we're on Facebook.com slash Families Band. Uh, Twitter, Families Band. Instagram, Families Band. Bandcamp, FamiliesBand.Bandcamp.com. Any any of those things, just throw families band on there. Families is ungoogleable, but families band as one word is so googleable. <laughs> yeah. So. And uh, do you guys have anything coming down the wire as far as shows or? Uh, we don't have or... a lot of shows coming up or anything. We're um, I'm having a baby pretty soon. Which nice, dude. oh yeah, <laughs> like in a couple of months. Yeah. Stinking way. So we're we're trying to wrap up uh, recording an album. We're going to try to record another one next year. So we're trying to do two albums here real, real soon because we have all the material. And for those of you who are familiar with families, know that we are very bad at recording, like very bad at putting out albums. It's like four years between albums. There are a lot of songs I've heard you guys play live that I'm like, oh, where can I hear that? And nope. Like, nope. You just got to be in you person gotta, and you be lucky. Memorize that song. <laughs> <laughs> Family's band is an experience. Well, not really, or or whatever. I think so. But okay. it, it, I I just want to shout out because we're talking about families. Dave David Shea and Erica Johnson are like just the best musicians in the world, and just the best bandmates. They're just amazing. Erica is literally the best musician of all time. I kid you not. She's just the best. Um, so I just. I, I'm just so blessed to be in a band with those two. They are incredible musicians, incredible people, love the Lord and love each other. They're a couple. Sweet. Amen. So, All right, so if you want to keep up with families, band stuff, um, check out those links. We'll toss it in the description of this podcast episode. And if you want to keep up with uh, Justin and his baby, I guess, fam- familiesfamily.com. Um, it's not a real thing. Um, <laughs> 
it should be the family's family's family, family. to actually, <laughs> to actually <laughs> keep up with your personal lives. Still, still ungoogleable. Yeah, ungoogleable. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for your time. Uh, check us out on letgoddie.com. We have the podcast link up there, some videos, um, small group resources if you want to check those out. And until next time. I've always liked you, Simon of Cyrene. You carry the cross and said nothing. They picked you from the crowd. Oh, you probably stuck out. But you bit your tongue and said nothing. Sometimes I feel like nobody's there Why do I struggle all alone? Then you draw near And you show me you care And carry my burdens with me I've always liked you, Simon of Cyrene. You carry the cross and said nothing. But you felt his pain, and you helped him to his grave. But you bit your tongue and said nothing. Said nothing.